0: It is a sport as old as man itself. From the ancient Greeks to the British Empire, all the way to the Gracie family, men and women have partaken in this art of combat with the promise of honor and glory in mind. Now, WFUV Sports will bring you into that realm with in-depth analysis and opinions on the goings on in the world of boxing and mixed martial arts. This is the WFUV Sports Pound for Pound Podcast. (laughs) And if that intro does not psych you up for this edition of the Pound for Pound Podcast, I do not know what will. I agree. On this... I am ready to run through a wall for you, James. Oh, God. On this November the 3rd, 2016, we are nine... Excuse me, we are... Yes, we are nine days away from UFC 205. My name is James Cargan. Alongside me is the voice of God, Tom Trazuli, the venerable Mariner Castro. Behind the not glass, as we are in our open studio. This is a very today.
1: intimate studio. Studio two, we're very close together. I, I will. Again, I could reach out and touch Mario if I wanted. I, I don't think anybody would, uh, would want, want to do that.
0: that. <laughs> so earlier today, I, I was fortunate enough to actually. Partake in this press um, in in this conference call. Unfortunately, I was not able to ask any questions. I was fortunate enough to listen to it in Studio Three and record it. Uh, the UFC Two Hundred Five conference call, which featured Eddie Alvarez and Conor McGregor, and <laughs> once again, this was peak McGregor. I, I, every time you hear him, it's just unbelievable. I I do have a couple of clips from. This press conference, and you're you're going to enjoy them. Just take a listen. He's
2: claiming it's an easy, it would, it's an easier contest. I look forward to to when the eyes shift, when 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 the eyes roll, and and the electric shock darts through his whole body, and he goes to his knees. And then he comes up and he's in survival mode, and that panic sets through his whole body, uh, his whole face. And that's, that's something I'm looking forward to. And I will go out there and I will, I will punish him for that, for, for, for those words that he is saying. Um, I'm going to retire him on this, on this, uh, this night. He's through, through <laughs> uh, so he has been through a hell of a lot of wars. He has been through a hell of a lot of wars. He's been dropped continuously. I can see it in him. You can see the effects of war on his face. And respect to him, he's a fire. Nothing but respect. But this will be it for you. You're going to be badly, badly hurt, Eddie, and I mean that. It's over for you. You will not fight again after this. You will not look the same. You will not think the same. And that's Uh, it.
0: Oh boy!
1: (laughs) What can I honestly love? Conor McGregor's trash talk. I love it. He is a Modern-day Muhammad Ali when it comes to that stuff. Who He's close. in the game right now. You could talk about Mayweather all you want, no, but Mayweather not, was not never close, this close. entertaining when it not came to trash close. talk. There's not a fighter on the planet,
0: and there hasn't been in a long time that can even get to that level.
1: In terms I don't know of, if that's a hot take or not, but that's my it's take not, on
0: it. it. At least I think it's not. In terms of talking, he is right there with Ali. And, oh, my goodness. <laughs> and And... Of course, fighters don't want to let this get to their head. They say it's not in their head. But at some point, it's like, this is probably in your head.
1: It's got to be like grating on Eddie Alvarez by this point. And the hype up to this fight, he's been hearing it press conference after press conference, conference call after conference call. He may be portraying that he's having a little bit of fun with it, but it's got to be grating on you. You just
0: want to get to the fight hearing Connor talk about this week after week. Now, we do. <clears throat> We do have one more clip, and uh, we're going to play that for you now.
2: The night of the fight, we'll see.
0: And and I would we'll love, will we'll see.
2: We'll see.: we'll see. I
0: would we'll love, see. love
2: for you to come with me. I'm going to hurt you badly. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to rip you up badly. I swear to God, trust me, you're going to you're going <laughs> to regret that.
0: Oh, Edward, Edward, Edward. Yes, he won't even let Edward speak. No, no, he will not. Uh, and a couple other highlights <clears throat> from this conference call. Uh, Alvarez talking about the quality of opponents that Connor has faced in his career, saying that he just cherry-picked his opponents like Danny Garcia does in boxing, essentially. That is a big insult. <laughs> so, he didn't exactly <laughs> yeah, say if that. He, I know he
1: didn't do the Danny Garcia but comparison, he, but that but is an insult.
0: Eddie, now, in all fairness to Eddie, ever since he jumped to the UFC from Bellator, he has taken on the best. Well, I feel like he, he has taken to, on. You know? He has taken on Anthony Pettis. He's taken on Dos Anjos. He's taken on Donald Cerrone. He's taken on the best.
1: Coming on from Bellator, he wasn't the most well-known fighter, so I feel like he had to do that to at least build a brand for himself in the UFC. Now, to be fair, Conor already has a brand.
0: Connor hasn't fought. Connor's average fight. The quality of his average fight is probably a little bit worse than the quality of. Alvarez's average fight. The the main event that got uh McGregor to this championship fight or to the championship fight against Aldo was his fight against Dennis Seaver, uh, which was just a walkover. Right. And so. he fought Dustin Poirier, who's a decent fighter, but other than him, before he fought Chad Mendez, uh all of his fights were essentially walkovers. But he defeated – but defeating Chad Mendez, who was ranked number one at the time, I know since then he's been knocked out by Edgar, who has been training with Eddie Alvarez, as he alluded to in the conference call. He he knocked him out. Then, of course, Aldo. So to it's a bit harsh to say that he hasn't fought anybody, but he did – but Nate Diaz does have 11 losses in his career.
1: Right. Well, I mean, I think – you look back to the second uh, Aldo fight, which was really a war, and I think that was the first... Oh, there was only one Aldo fight. I mean, the... um, The the, second Diaz fight. The second Diaz fight, excuse me. That was, like, the fight for uh, Connor that I think cemented him as producing a great five-round championship fight because, like you mentioned, going through his career, he hadn't really been there before. But also with Connor he doesn't have to put together the best fights in order for him to be the biggest star in the UFC. It's stuff like this that he does in press <laughs> At conferences. At point, he does, that though. He, as long as he wins, I'm saying. But like with him, it's not 100% about the fights that he produces. He's not getting over on the fact that he is an, ex- an exciting fighter or this guy will th- that will take people five rounds and have these wars, even though he just had one with Nate Diaz. I, I think he can get by... On being the fighter that he is right now, and I wouldn't say
0: that he's cherry picked anyone. Uh well, I wouldn't, even though he ha- Connor will be the first to admit that he runs the place He does in the A- UFC. He
1: has the power to cherry pick people, and maybe as the time goes on, seeing how this fight goes with Alvarez at two oh five, maybe he will start to exercise
0: that control more than he already has. Well, it depends on which belt he chooses to to keep if he were to defeat Eddie Alvarez. I personally think that he would keep the 155 belt. That is just a personal prediction. Uh, I predict that he will not be fighting Jose Aldo again, and Jose Aldo will either take the full non-interim UFC featherweight belt just on his own or just fight somebody else for it. He already beat Frankie Edgar, so I'm not exactly sure. Who he would fight for that? That's one of my favorite answers, though,
1: that McGregor gave at the 205 press conference. What are you going to do with the belts oh, if you win? Wrap one on, on one shoulder, one on the other. That's such like a pro wrestling answer. Oh, oh. It's <laughs> double abs- champion.
0: It's absolutely, and, and we have seen several double champions in pro wrestling. Want
1: to throw out an 80s, or this most was like recently, early 90s. Most recently, right
0: most recently, Seth Rollins, of course, holding the WWE and in and United States championship. The now
1: deceased Ultimate Warrior yes, was the Intercontinental yes, the Champion and the WWF champion. The most famous at the time.
0: And so back to real fighting. <laughs> um so there it obviously was a war of words. Connor's saying that his family that Eddie's family and his wife and kids won't recognize him after the fight and will beg him. To never step foot in the octagon (laughs) again—that
1: like (laughs) that's a bit harsh. Who comes up with that on the spot in a conference call with reporters? That's only Connor. That's That's only someone like Ali. That's why I say these things. And I think what Connor's doing right now is just being himself and continuing to hype a fight that really doesn't even need the hype anymore.
0: Now, Connor, to into the fight itself, Connor said in the call. That he has worked hard on his cardio, which was a big issue Mm -hmm. for him in the second Diaz fight, the five-round war, where he really gasped after the second round. And Diaz took advantage of it, and
1: the commentators on the fight, Joe Rogan and Mike Goldberg, that was what they were hammering
0: on the entire time. If there's one weakness in his game, it would be his stamina. Yeah, he— and so he talked about how he's working on his cardio and his, his body fat percentage is down, his resting heart rate is up. W- there's only one way to find out. Step and inside the so octagon. I still consider that a, a concern. Question. Yeah. I, I it's because absolutely m- training you can train and these guys train hard. There's no question about that. These guys train all out. Uh you know what's to the wall. Just ask Matt Breen
1: who's not on the podcast no. tonight unfortunately but he goes weekly to UFC training and he says the hardest workout of his life so if there's anyone to testament to that but I be Matt. still
0: don't buy the notion that you can replicate being in the octagon when you're in training. I don't buy it. Maybe you maybe you just get the adrenaline rush from being in the garden from being in what I expect to be one of the great atmospheres of any sport of all time. Maybe that maybe that will will, uh, drive up his adrenaline rush, but cardio may still wind up being an issue for him. A- and Eddie's been in wars; he has been in some major league battles, so I don't see that as as big of an issue for him. I want to bring up a point that Connor talked about at the original UFC two hundred five press conference, which is that Eddie Alvarez isn't really that different of a fighter from most of the guys that Connors faced.
1: Right. He was talking about uh, big, stocky wrestlers that he's taken out before. Yes, with an overhand right. With an overhand right. And that's basically like the wrestler's formula in the UFC. They try to get you with the overhand right, or they try to get you with takedowns and out-wrestle you. But going back to the point you made first, and then I'll touch on the Mm -hmm. Alvarez point, Uh, you talk about I'm completely there with you when you say it's impossible to replicate that feeling especially at 205 in 9 days when they step inside the octagon for probably if not the biggest top 3 biggest fight in the history of the UFC and you have to wonder how the nerves are going to play in cuz for some people the nerves and the adrenaline helps them But for other people, the nerves actually makes you get tired quicker. You'll come out. And how McGregor has fought in his time on top in the UFC is he tries to come out really quick in the first round and get those, you know, uh, Mystic Mac predictions going in the first round. He did say first round. Exactly, because (laughs) that's how he fights. He'll try to go out there and knock you out in the first round. He's talking about cardio. It's interesting to see. If he's going to come out a little bit slower and not try to go for a knockdown in the first round, and maybe that will help him increase his cardio.
0: Now, in terms of the style of fight that Eddie Alvarez uh, employs, I kind of agree. No disrespect to Eddie, I, I, I kind of agree with Connor's assessment of Eddie. Is he really that much different from a stylistic standpoint than Chad Mendes? He's not. And and in
1: the UFC, a lot of guys with extensive wrestling backgrounds, that is their prototype. It's trying to get guys with the right hand and overhand right and taking them to the ground. So what Conor has to look out for is his takedown defense, and he can't be
0: drawn into the overhand right I'll- of Alvarez. I think it's a fair assessment. I will be very interested to see if... Eddie, if and when Eddie shoots for the takedown, what will transpire yeah. from that? Because y- Connor has been taken down before. If you were to watch the battle that he had with Chad Mendez, that was the perfect example. Chad took him down on several occasions in, in that fight, and Connor, fortunately for him, was able to get up each time. He dominated him on the feet, and... But on the ground, it was all Mendes. Well,
1: obviously, Connor is one of the best strikers in the game right now. He's going to want this thing to stand up as long as it goes. But like you mentioned, if there's anything other than his stamina that people can look to as a possible thing that Eddie Alvarez can take advantage of, he can be taken to the ground. and It's going to be interesting to see if his defense can stop it or what he does when they go to the ground. It's not a position we've
0: seen him in that often. It's going to be interesting to see it it really isn't and that's so intriguing especially with the uh, su- uh, the unorthodox style that connor employs mm-hmm. uh, reminiscent in my mind of steven thompson who's fighting for the welterweight championship he and connor are very similar strikers in that way and and i don't want and we have to move on to some boxing in a second about time so and right. i and we will have our mega prediction show coming up very soon most likely will be coming out on Sunday. Right. It's not so an exact
1: get, day, but we will be getting them out next week. So
0: we will have all the predictions then, but I just want to make this quick assessment. If Connor defends takedowns, I don't see how Eddie can stay with him.
1: Yeah, that I'm, I'm with you on if that. But we'll if this s-
0: is on the feet, then I believe that Connor McGregor will knock out Eddie Alvarez. We'll
1: save that for the preview show, but i tend to agree with you there.
0: Now let's get to the other form of <laughs> fighting. This the is, older form. This We do say on the intro that this is boxing and mixed martial arts. We really haven't gotten to much boxing on this show, unfortunately, which, because there really hasn't been too much to talk about. This
1: is actually the first big fight since the Pound for Pound podcast debut, the first big boxing match, and we're going to have two in a row in the month of
0: November, Indeed. so we'll finally have some boxing content on the show. Indeed we are, and this Saturday in Las Vegas, Manny Pacquiao will return to the Squared Circle. Uh, it's actually just a square, but... They call it the Squared Circle. They, we will retur- He will return to the Squared Circle after a retirement of almost no time at all... <laughs> And he will face the WBO welterweight champion of the world, Jesse Vargas. And it will not be shown on HBO pay per view. <laughs> it will be shown on the first ever top rank
1: pay per view, which is going to be weird, so, to say the least. Let's
0: go over what we're about to see from top rank first. Yeah, first well, then of we'll all, get into the fight. We'll talk first, about this. First, the commentary team Brian Kenny, who we all know from years of. Anchoring on Sports Center on Friday Night Fights, he will be uh producing the blow by blow, and he analy- knows his stuff. He does. He's a very very
1: well respected in the world of boxing. So I good
0: I, start. I commend Bob Arum, the uh leader of Top Rank, for getting that. Uh, his analyst will be Tim Bradley, who of course has fought Manny Pacquiao three times in the ring, lost to him all three times except for the one where Manny Pacquiao where he won the one of the worst decisions in the his history of boxing. I've ever seen. <laughs> so, technically he's o th- so in reality, he's 0-3, but technically he's 1-2.
1: The less said and, about that,
0: the better. And their other partner in commentary, Stephen A. Smith. We were starting
1: out pretty well with Brian Kenny, very well-respected in the world of boxing. He worked for years on Friday Night Fights. Tim Bradley, he did lose... Technically, you know, he technically he's still lost a great every fighter. great fighter. He's been in a lot of big fights. He technically lost every fight against Pacquiao. But who better to talk about Pacquiao while he's in the ring than Bradley? And then
0: we get to Stephen A. Smith. I, I, why? I, I, do not know why. <laughs> why? Um, he's a boxing fan. Okay, so am I. That's all I. That <sighs> doesn't mean I should be on color commentary. I, I, this, I mean. <laughs> It's almost going to be worth watching just to see oh. what's going to happen here. I, I don't know how he's going to analyze this fight. Uh, we can speculate, but uh, I just see this as uh, he's not going to be a pleasant surprise.
1: You know what I think it's going to be? You got Tim Bradley in there to be the main— And who main... knows how he's going to be? Well, yeah, he's never been on a— box. Neither of these guys have been on a boxing broadcast before. You got Tim Bradley in there, who I guess is supposed to be the serious color commentator. And then I think they're just going to have Stephen A. Smith on there, being Stephen A. Smith.
0: This may be a a rebuke to HBO, who has Stephen A. Smith's partner on first take, Max Kellerman. But Max Kellerman
1: is a knows a analyst. lot about boxing.
0: He's a great analyst, so maybe Bob Arum I is love saying, Max Kellerman. you have one guy, I'll take the other. It's not, not an equivalency. It really just, is not. It's just w- w- you, who, anything can happen And this, this
1: isn't—Max Kellerman did not make his name— Doing something else on a bigger show. His real, he was in broadcasting for a while, but his first big role was when he got signed to HBO, and he's been doing fights on HBO for years now. This isn't some guy who made his name somewhere else that they're just bringing in
0: because he likes boxing. So let's get to the fight itself. And my main question is why don't people care about Manny Pacquiao anymore?
1: Because. He lost to Mayweather? Not even because he lost to Mayweather. I think it's a couple of things. I think it's this fiasco that this retirement was so bad that people were saying it might have been a hoax because he was barely in retirement for it, any it amount of time. It basically was a basically was a hoax. So I think that might have uh, turned a lot of people off to him. And then also the fight itself, and we're going to break this down, I don't think it has that much juice to it. They're billing it as the legend versus the champ, but you have to keep in mind here, Jesse Vargas is a hand-picked opponent. More and more, this is starting to look like a cash grab for Manny Pacquiao.
0: Now, no disrespect to Jesse Vargas. No disrespect. He's a champion of the world. But Jesse Vargas is the weakest of the four welterweight champions of the world. The other three being Danny Garcia, Keith Thurman, and Kell Brook. I think Jesse Vargas is the lowest of them. He did; he was very close to. He did have a very good fight against Tim Bradley, where he was. I don't know if you recall this. It was, in, yeah. it, was an, it was the outdoor fight mm-hmm. against Tim Bradley, who possibly has my favorite nickname of all time: Desert Storm. More than the Soldier of God, Yoel <laughs> Romero. I know you love that one. Yes, I do love that one. Uh, but Tim Bradley, known as Desert Storm, he was seconds away from knocking him out before he was basically saved by the bell in the 12th and final round. And when he knocked out Saddam—when he stopped Saddam Ali, Saddam Ali is—or what, or I guess was—one of the top prospects in all of boxing, mm-hmm. the Brooklyn native. We love—I love Saddam. And <laughs> he just dominated him. Yeah, but— so. I think that he is a worthy opponent. He only, he only has one loss on his career, and that was to Bradley at the StubHub Center. But in saying that, this is still not a a, a an exciting matchup, to say the very least. I think you're a little higher
1: on—you're not that high on Vargas, but I think you're a little higher on him than I am. I think, you know, you mentioned that he did have a lot of resilience— and knocking down Tim Bradley in the 12th round of their fight. But also, if you watch that entire fight... I know he was, know ex- he
0: was down by a lot on the he Scars. Was,
1: yeah, if he didn't have that knockout, he was going to lose on decision. Bradley really exposed him in what was his biggest fight on national television to date. And Saddam Ali was a top prospect, but again, he wasn't proven at his level. He was very talented was at where he was. It was his step-up fight. Yeah, Saddam was stepping up to fight uh, Vargas. So I, I'm not that impressed by that either. But then you also have to look at not just fights that they've had in the past, but what does each guy bring to the table. The only advantage I think that Vargas is going to have over Pacquiao two advantages: his height, so he's going to have a reach advantage; he's going to have a long uses try to use his long jab against him, and also he's much younger, so that might help him a little bit. But other than that, I don't see an area where Pacquiao uh, where he, Vargas he has, is better than Pacquiao. He
0: has no he has no real. Advantage over Pacquiao. This should be. I do, I don't want to say that this will be like the Pacquiao fight against Chris Algieri.
1: That's that a comparison be, I've heard. Which there
0: that they're, it can't be that bad. It cannot be that bad. Well, I think Jesse Vargas is a better fighter than Chris Algieri. No disrespect, also to Chris Algieri. Uh, I love Chris, the Long Island native.
1: L- let me tell you, no no disrespect, like you said to Chris Algieri. I one of my more fond memories of boxing in recent years was watching his fight against Provognikov. Oh, that was a God, great that fight. That
0: was a class. That was an
1: all-time uh, shocking fight. Great. I remember watching it live. It was, it was a great fight. However, like you said, Vargas is a step up from Algieri. Th- there's no denying that. He's a better fighter than Algeria. Algieri probably shouldn't have even been fighting Pacquiao in the first place. But in terms of prototype, Algieri and Vargas are basically the same type of fighter in terms of build and their age advantage over Pacquiao. So maybe Vargas will have a little bit of a better time against Pacquiao, but I think it's going to be the same type of fight where Pacquiao,
0: this is a hand-picked opponent for a reason. Here And for Jesse Vargas, I think this is a lose-lose fight for him. And here's why. If he loses to Manny Pacquiao, whether it be by knockout, whether it be by decision people are going to say, of course Manny won. He was a heavy favorite. He handpicked Jesse Vargas as an opponent. He's supposed to win, and he did. Let's move on. If he beats Manny Pacquiao, people are going to say, why on earth did Manny come back? He is over the hill. He's not good anymore. Yeah, no, you're right.
1: I mean, Vargas obviously took this fight because it's the most high-profile fight of his career by any stretch of the imagination, way higher than Bradley. Even with Pacquiao at his age right now, I think it's going to be much bigger in terms of interest than the Bradley fight is. But like you said, that, might, that scenario that you just brought up might be a contributing reason as to why not as many people as maybe anticipated are interested in this fight because either way, those are going to be the scenarios coming out. But I do think,
0: and this is me personally, I think that Manny Pacquiao still has a, a good amount left in the tank.
1: I think he does, yeah. I he do was hurt in the Mayweather
0: fight. Allegedly.
1: Allegedly. <laughs> Let's. I mean, like I said, the less talked about that fight as well, the better.
0: But what? How he looked like Manny Pacquiao against uh, Tim Bradley in his so-called retirement fight. So I think that he will win the championship here, and he will deserve to win the championship, and it will be very, very interesting to see where Manny goes next because there is no shortage of guys in the welterweight division that he could fight with. And, yeah, and they'll be chomping at the bit for the opportunity to fight
1: him because they'll know they're going to make money on it. There's not a lot of fights that are real money fights right now. Kovalev Ward being basically the only one of this entire year that was really a money fight, not involving the the two big stars of generation past. Now,
0: yeah, it's 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 a tough it's a tough landscape out there. Uh, I if I were Manny Pacquiao, I would not want to fight Keith Thurman mm-hmm. because I think that Keith Thurman would beat him.
1: Well, I think Thurman's going to get past uh, Garcia. Oh, I think he will.
0: Yes, and that is happening in March, I believe.
1: Yeah, it's it was the last fight on the and, schedule and for Showtime. I am
0: excited mm. for that. I hope that that will be on CBS. I
1: I, I will also be ha- like I think Thurman's going to beat Garcia, but I'll be happy if Garcia beats Thurman because then he finally proves something as a champion.
0: I I want Manny Pacquiao to fight to fight the best, and we all want him to fight the best. But here's the question: Why does what does Manny Pacquiao want? from this so-called second stint. Does he want to fight and to make money, or does he want to fight to win the belts? I I don't see what he has left to prove, to
1: be honest with you. And that's why, no disrespect, Pacquiao, one of the greatest of all time, he's going to be a future Hall of Famer, but I'm just really disappointed in this whole situation, this whole retirement hoax, coming back with a hand-picked opponent in Vargas who's perfect for his style. That's why I called it a cash grab. I just don't get it. Why does Pacquiao feel he still needs to do this? Does he feel like the sport of boxing is in such disarray right now? They need this white knight to come back and help save the sport and give some bring some interest back? I. That's the only thing I could think of. Does he feel like he has an obligation?
0: And just... Uh, he he might, and, of course, I, I personally think that he retired just to set up his Filipino Senate run, and that's a whole disaster in itself. I mean, he Well, the
1: Philippines is not exactly...
0: Uh, no, that country... Their
1: president's not exactly the man either.
0: No, and... Uh, so, let's get to some news and notes from around the combat sports world. Ronda Rousey just recently told her pal Ellen DeGeneres... That her fight at UFC 207 will be one of her last.
1: One of her last. One of
0: her last. So, will it be one of her final five fights? One of her final three fights? One of her final seven fights? I I will believe that when I see it.
1: I'm taking this with a (laughs) grain of salt. I think this is another situation like we've seen with many athletes before. We just saw it with Pacquiao, who went into retirement and barely was gone for just a little bit. But I know she wants to act. Yes we'll get i'll get to that in a second but like i want to see i think she wants to see how she does against nunez and then if she loses then she's going to be like i have two three fights left maybe if she wins i think this retirement talk goes to the back
0: burner if she loses we may never see her fight in the octagon again that's that's true
1: it's possible may maybe and, and this is the and fr- she may
0: go to wwe the first
1: article that comes up on bloody elbow wwe wants ronda Rousey when she's done with ufc
0: I mean, go for it. She, I, has she would be so perfect. Much. For she would be perfect. She has WWE.
1: WWE's interest. She can do movies. She can do TV shows. She's already made a huge living. So, if she does retire, it's not a bad I living think, for. Her. Yeah,
0: I think if she loses to Nunez, which we will get to that in December, if she loses, we may never see her in the octagon again. And one last one: Anthony Joshua will fight Eric Molina on December tenth. Originally, on December 10th, we would see. We thought we would see Kudlovkin. We thought we would see Canelo. Uh, and now we've got two fights on December 10th, uh, Terrence Crawford and John Molina. And now Anthony Joshua and Eric Molina will be scrapping on that date. So I'm just glad that Joshua is going to be in the ring. Eric Molina um, is a decent fighter. He gave Deontay Wilder a pretty good fight. Right. Last year, I do recall that one. And then
1: he just had a knockout in his last fight, Tol- so, Tomasz Adamic in April.
0: But So, it's exci- I'm excited to see Joshua. He's one of the more exciting fighters in boxing, especially in the heavyweight division.
1: Yeah, y- you take what you can get because we thought on this December 10th slot it was going to be, like you said, Golovkin or Canelo or even Vladimir Klitschko and Joshua after um, the dropout of Tyson Fury. but. Obviously, that didn't happen either. So basically, at this point, it's basically you're taking what you can get. Molina, like you mentioned, he gave Deontay Wilder, who's one of the better heavyweights out there, a pretty decent fight. He had a good knockout against Admi- Adamick, but he's not really—he's pretty much a nobody in the division. But it's going to be uh, probably a showcase for Joshua. Seventeen and zero, seventeen knockouts. The main question going in is: Can he continue the knockout streak against Molina? It's very much possible, and this is his first title defense of the IBF title. So a couple of little storylines going in, but obviously nothing that exciting, but it could be worse.
0: And that will do it for us here on this edition of the Pound for Pound podcast. Our next edition will be our mega edition, the 205 preview show, and we will try to get you bonus content throughout possibly this week. And next week, I know I will be at all the the UFC media events. So we will try to get you as much of the bonus content as possible. But until next time, for our venerable producer, Mariner Castro, and for my good partner, the voice of God, Tom Trizuli, we bid you all adieu.